It's time for Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds. Oh my. The best NFL podcast this side of the Mason-Dixon line. What do Falcons do? Falcons, Falcons rise up. Here's your hosts, Josh Stitcher and Patrick Edson. Good evening and welcome to Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds, the best NFL podcast this side of the Mason-Dixon line. I'm Patrick Edson along with Josh Stitcher. We want to say thanks to our good friends at the Morning Five, Billy Lindahl and Bryce Sparling, for putting up with these two novice podcasters on a Tuesday night here in West Georgia. Josh, uh, good to see you, my friend. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. I did. It's good to see you. I, I ate like I was going to the electric chair. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, I did notice I that, that, yeah, that, uh, that uh, camouflage sort of the hoodie you're wearing seems to be uh, still moving in some parts. So, Absolutely. Uh, that, yeah, I, I ate a nice big plate of food, and um, that's about all I had on that on on Thanksgiving. So it was it was good to see uh, my in laws and, and my brothers on Saturday. So had a had a good time, good time. Also caught some really good college basketball action. Fans, if you haven't been out to see the teams at UWG, I would encourage you to do that uh, if you're listening and interested in college basketball here locally. So, but hey, this is the Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds podcast. So let me get back on the train track. As fans uh, of the Falcons already know, the Falcons beat the lowly, good-for-nothing New Orleans Aints on Sunday 24-15, uh, and both teams coming off the bye week, so uh, both teams had equal time to prepare, and uh, it looks like, uh, Josh, the Falcons found their identity again, which they had in the early in the year, and that's, we're going to pound you with the football. I have been waiting to see this since earlier in the year, and the Falcons look just as good running the football Sunday as they have looked in a long time. I mean, it just seemed like Bajan Robinson was having a day pounding and pounding. Tyler Algier picked up where he's been doing, and we even got some Cordero Patterson in the ball game. <laughs> I right. mean, it was. But you know, and Ritter looked good when he had scrambled out of the pocket and run. Yeah, he did it, a lot better job. Yeah, you know, I think he's a better runner when he has to scramble. When they, you know, the, and I think it was evident when they ran those design run plays on Sunday. I mean, he did absolutely nothing. But it's when he has to scramble out of the pocket and make something out of nothing. He, I mean, he has the ability to do that, and that you know you've got to have that. I think from the quarterback position, if you're not going to be a, a gunslinger, and of course Desmond Ritter is definitely not that by any stretch of the imagination. So. You know, Ritter was 13 of 21 for 168 yards, one touchdown, and of course, uh, he threw two interceptions. And I think one of them, uh, if you really think about it, might not have been his fault, but the other definitely was. But I think that's, as a Falcon fan, that's where you're going to live for the rest of the season as it winds out. You know, with. Ritter is either going to keep the game close or he's going to be the reason why you lose a football game. Yeah, and you just got to manage expectations with Desmond Ritter and just know that at any given time, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde can appear. But <laughs> Sunday, I mean, 
it looked like the bye week and maybe him being benched the starter for two games really lit a fire under his rear end because Sunday he came out playing ball. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he, you know, he did he he, he didn't beat you, you know. And I think that's what Arthur Smith, you know, I, I heard him say this in a press conference yesterday. Uh, you know, this is where they, I mean, you know, we've talked about it. This is where they want to live. They want to live in this. All right. We know we got this quarterback who isn't Patrick Mahomes or, uh, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, but this is, we know who we have and we know what we have to do to be successful, uh, and win on Sunday. And that is pound, pound the run game, which like you said, they, that was probably the best they looked all year. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, they didn't give up a sack on Sunday. I don't know if you noticed that, too. So, you know, when you're running the ball 41 times and passing it 21 times, you know, that's where Arthur Smith wants to be. And so I agree with you completely. Uh, Ritter played well. He played well enough. Uh, and, you know, Derek Carr was 24-38 for 304 yards but through an interception, didn't throw any touchdowns. And and so that kind of leads to the second part uh, in my mind, which was a really big factor on Sunday, and that was the Falcons' defense. Although they gave up a ton of yards, uh, total yards for the Saints on Sunday, uh, I believe it was, uh, yeah, 444 yards, uh, with a majority of that coming through the air, they didn't give up any touchdowns. The Saints were 0 for 5 in the red zone. Yeah, and, I, you know, if you're not going to give up any touchdowns at all, you can live with giving up that many yards. I know, you know, from a stat line standpoint, it, it's terrible looking, but your defense, when it gets when they get into the red zone or get close, it's a bend but don't break, and the Falcons certainly bent, but they bowed their necks and really stopped Taysom Hill, Derek Carr, and that Saints offense when they had to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, you know, so the Saints were up, I think it was 3 nothing, uh early in that first quarter, and they were looking for more. And then, of course, Jesse Bates came up with a big pick six, 92-yard return for a touchdown. And, you know, I think that really changed the ebb and flow of the game at that point, um, you know, because uh, New Orleans – Again, 0 for 5 in the red zone. They kicked, uh, what was it, uh, five field goals for their 15 points. Uh, and if you really break down the, the box score, Jesse Bates' pick six was the difference in the game. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was. And so, uh, so, you know, it's a big play. And like you said, B. John Robinson was really, had a really nice game, I think, for the first time. This season had 16 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown uh, on the ground, and then he caught that great touchdown pass uh, in the fourth quarter that kind of sealed the game, uh, sealed the victory for the Falcons. Um, you know, it was an all-around very solid performance coming out of the bye week, and now so you, you I think the Falcons, you know, they're in the driver's seat in the NFC South. I mean. They, they are able to win the NFC South. They'll be the fourth. They'll clinch the fourth seed at the season we're in today. And so they would uh, host a playoff game, a home playoff game. Uh, 
course, I, I think it would be the Cowboys at this point. So, but hey, it's still a home playoff game, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's where you want to be if you're the Atlanta Falcons and be able to host a home playoff game. That's something that had happened in a little bit. Um, that would get, really get the uh, folks in Atlanta excited. Oh, but, yeah. You know, now we talked a couple of weeks ago. Um, about how every game on the remainder of the schedule was a game that the Falcons could could lose. And, I mean, it still, you know, it still looks that way. But now, I mean, if they play like they played Sunday, almost every game on the remainder of their schedule is a very big possibility of a win. Yeah, it really is. You got the, you got the Jets this coming Sunday at 1 o'clock up in uh, New York. Then you host Tampa Bay. Uh, the week after that, uh, then you go to Carolina, who is just—I mean, they—they they have no idea what they're doing right now. They fired Frank Reich on Monday after just 11 games, and so he—he he joins an infamous group of coaches that have never uh, finished a, a full season, um, and it's just so. Uh, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about that later, but I, I think Frank Reich's getting a raw deal there because he wound up having to take a quarterback he really didn't want. The quarterback he wanted uh, is really having a great rookie season down in Houston. So, um, but then, so then you then you then you're at home for Indianapolis on Christmas Eve. Then you go to Chicago on on New Year's Eve, and so that you know that's a game. In my mind, I mean, I, I'm the only reason why I'm concerned about that game because it's going to be Chicago in late December, you know, and so you're you're a dome team for the most part, and you're going to be out in the elements. How will this team react to that, and, and weather will play a factor. There's, there's no doubt in my mind it will. Yeah, and you know that's one thing that cripples the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> We're in the sack. I mean, it's, you know, it's 37 degrees right now, and that's about as cold as it gets any time down here on a regular basis. And most of the time, it's flirting upper 40s, 50s, you know, and things like that. When you get to Chicago, I've been a couple of times, not, you know, not to football games, but Mm -hmm. just to Chicago in February. Oh, my Lord, it will hurt you. It is so bad. Oh, man. And you get up there. And these guys that aren't used to playing in this cold, and, you know, I'm sure you realize and know that when it's cold weather and you're wearing a football helmet and you get hit or do some hitting, your ears ring and it hurts. Mm-hmm. So yep. that could be that could be very interesting for Atlanta. Yeah, it really could be. And, you know, you look at the remainder of this schedule and you start going, okay, man, we can win this game and we can win this. The Falcons are now five and six. You know, if they win one, two, three, four, five out of the next six games, that makes them uh, ten and and seven. Seven. That, that'll win the NFC South, and and uh, because I I I was not impressed looking at the Saints yesterday. I think they have a lot of problems. Plus, they're fighting the injury bug. They lost Michael Thomas already. He's done for the year. Um, you know, it just it just feels like such a winnable division right now uh, for the Falcons. And you know, you, you the, if you look at the playoff picture, and so I you know nerded out on you a little earlier before coming on with you tonight. 
If, if you look at the NFC playoff picture, the Falcons right now have a 48% chance of winning the NFC South and a 43% chance of clinching the division. So so they have a 48% chance of making the playoffs. Excuse, I had that backwards. And a 43% chance of, of winning the NFC South. And, you know, I, I think you got to like those odds if you're the Falcons at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Like you alluded to earlier, the Saints, not that great. The Bucks. Oh. I mean, they're the Bucks and the Panthers. And I agree with the talking heads on ESPN and ever and Fox and all that stuff. The NFC South is just is really oh. not a good football conference. But somebody's gotta win it and it might as well be the Falcons and we're very, very capable of getting it done. And we're I mean, we're honestly capable of that Chicago game being the only toss up on the schedule from wins and losses. Now, obviously we'll probably we'll probably lose a game that we have no business losing <laughs> and we'll yeah. we may end up winning a game that we have no business winning. That's just the way you just don't ever know. Yeah, the way the Falcons have been all season, it just feels like that's kind of where we might wind up going. Uh, let's let's dive a little bit deeper into the Falcons game on Sunday. Uh, because I, I think it it's really uh, interesting. Again, you know, we even though they won, and I think that's a great thing. Okay, so I'm not I'm not taking a whole lot of uh, away from that, if you will. Um, but you know, when you look at the numbers, okay, when you look at the numbers, <laughs> I it kind of depresses me. A little bit and let me tell you why because I look at what the Falcons have as a team and and they are ground and pound and they they are going to go with this the rest of the way but I can't help but as a Falcons fan think man if we just had a quarterback if we just had a quarterback that could Push the ball down the field with some accuracy. Uh, that knew that 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 was comfortable in the pocket and looked comfortable throwing the football. You know, again, this past Sunday, Kyle Pitts, two targets, two uh-huh. catches for twenty-two yards. Now Drake London had a had a nice game, five receptions, ninety-one yards on seven targets. But then your second leading receiver was B. John Robinson out of the backfield. And, I mean, he caught the winning touchdown pass. So, you you know, you – I start thinking about the Falcons. Okay, they make the playoffs. They have a home game. And let's say it is against the Dallas Cowboys. Okay? I got news for you. That will be – that will be wretched <laughs> because I don't see the Falcons – having the ability to stop the Cowboys on offense, even with the defense that they have. And I don't see them challenging that Cowboys defense with Micah Parsons and all that those guys bring to the table and have the ability to stop the run, which is the Falcons' bread and butter. But what do they always say? In the NFL, to win, you got to have a run game that can travel. 
and you got to have a defense. And I think Sunday's game at the Jets will be a at least a good indicator of where they are at this point in the season about taking this run game and this defense on the run. Now, I'm not not trying to say that the Jets starting quarterback is anywhere near Dak Prescott, but the Jets yeah. are supposed to have a are supposed to have a good defense, but right now they're playing with absolutely no heart. So you got to wonder what they'll look like on Sunday with the Falcons come to town. Yeah, and that was one of those things too that I'm interested in seeing because they they the Jets really have a talented defensive group, but like you said, they're absolutely playing with zero heart. But then again, you know, you go back and the last couple of games before this Saints game. Falcons have made a couple of mediocre, at best, football teams look like world beaters. And so I think and hope and pray that during the bye week that Arthur Smith got those guys' minds right. And what we saw Sunday was the turning point of what's going to be happening the rest of the uh, rest of the season. I'm with you, though. Playoffs come, and if it is Dallas – you know, great season, boys, but there's I just don't think we're there to no. where we can stop their offense or, or run the ball on that defense. That defense is pretty good. Dan Quinn knows how to coach defense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for all angst Falcons fans had as DQ was their head coach, that is one thing as a coordinator. He's been one of the best top defensive coordinators in football in the last um, 10 years. I mean, you know, he – he knows how to coordinate a defense. Uh, the Falcons will face Tim Boyle on Sunday as the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. Uh, and you may not remember this, but Tim Boyle actually started against the Falcons a couple of seasons ago. Um, and I'm trying to remember who the team was. But uh, Matt Ryan was quarterback of the Falcons during that at that game. And the Falcons did win that game 20-16. to 16. And so... Uh, Boyle's 29 years old. He played his college football at Eastern Kentucky. Uh, you know, and, and again, you know, the Jets uh, basically in the same, uh, uh, you know, boat, if you will, as the Falcons are. Uh, they don't really have any solid quarterback play. They've had to rely on a run game. They do have Brees Hall, uh, who's a fine running back, but he had a, a off game on Sunday. I know that because he's on my fantasy team and, I started him over Kerryon Williams, and what did Kerryon Williams do? Coming off IR, he had a 50-point game. Thanks, Brees. I appreciate your help there. Um, but um, you know, uh, you know, for you gotta like the you gotta like the position the Falcons are going to be in on Sunday uh, with Boyle. You know, not not you know he's he's not a world beater quarterback, but you know neither was Joshua Dobbs, like you said. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago against the Vikings, uh, and he was able to come here and, and lead them. But, you know, the different type of quarterback. Boyle is, a, I believe, a, a very pocket passer. He's not somebody that, that's going to beat you with his legs. And I think that, yeah. that kind of helps the Falcons' defense. Yeah. He played – he was with the Detroit Lions. That's it. When the uh, Falcons That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So. Super, super pocket passer from Eastern Kentucky. He also played at UConn. College ball. Okay. But, you know, he's been with Green Bay. He's been with Detroit. Now he's with uh, the Jets. And hadn't seen a lot of 
action in games. So, yeah, I expect him to be that pocket passer, and I really expect the Falcons to have maybe a three- or a four-sack day. Yeah, I mean, they could be. Yeah, they have really struggled. And, um, again, Falcon fans, uh, if you can, make sure you catch this game on Sunday. It will be a 1 o'clock start, um, and it should be nice and miserable outside here locally, rain and cool temperatures on Sunday. So uh, no excuse to miss this game. So, um if we look at the Falcons, though, at the numbers um, that uh, this past Sunday, um, you know, again, B. John Robinson, excellent game. Uh, you mentioned Tyler Algier. He he rushed for 64 yards. The Falcons as a team ran for 228 yards on 41 carries. And so you got to feel like that is going to be an advantage against the Jets this Sunday. Like you said, as again, they've really struggled on a, a defense. Uh, here of late, they're four and seven, and they're fading pretty quickly. And they they took a nice thumping at the hands of the Miami Dolphins uh, this past weekend. So, um, any uh, thoughts about what you see from the Falcons' defense uh, this past Sunday against against the Saints? You know, I just. I- I saw 11 guys out there having a good time. Mm. I did. You know, and the, our, our secondary, you know, got torched a little bit and everything, <laughs> but they were always in a position to make some plays. They only gave up a couple of big pass plays. Um, I was really, really impressed with Jesse Bates from his safety position. You know, that pick six was a huge deal. And um, just, I don't know. The way the Falcons held Alvin Kamara running the ball, the way the Falcons played um, on defense against Taysom Hill. Of course, Taysom Hill had a couple, had a few runs that he always gets, but for the most part, they were putting hat on hat and uh, getting to Taysom Hill and really making some pretty, pretty good tackles in the open field and. Uh, Pretty good, pretty good defensive play from their front seven. Yeah, and they actually forced Hill to fumble the football at one point. He, he fumbled, and, and that was the other turnover that um, uh, that the Saints committed uh, on Sunday. And so you you look at um, you know just overall. Uh, I really was pleased that they, like I said. They played a complete football game for the first time in about maybe six weeks, you know. Um, You know, they overcame the adversity. Uh, They stayed true to their identity. Uh, They didn't have to break out of that. Uh, And, you know, when Arthur Smith's off – when the Falcons' defense is able to keep a a team out of the end zone like they were – then Arthur Smith, again, can live in that area that he loves to live in. And the Falcons are a pretty good football team when they live when they can live in that area. Um, and so um, when you look at it from that perspective, you, you got to like uh, where the Falcons are at. So uh, looking at the uh, – let's see. I'm trying to get Josh – had this pulled up. Let's look at the other action 
that was NFC South related over the weekend, and that was the Panthers. Uh, I believe they traveled uh, to Houston uh, for that game, or was it? No, I think it might have been. No, it was. It was in Houston, and the, the or excuse me, in Tennessee. My bad. Tennessee. Tennessee. Yep. And so Tennessee came away with a 17-10 victory. Um, they uh, got out to a 17-3 lead. And uh, Carolina was able to keep them out of the end zone in the second half. Uh, but they could only muster a third-quarter touchdown. Bryce Young, again, you know, 18-31 of 31 for 194 yards. My fantasy quarterback, Will Levis, because – I'm scraping the bottle of the barrel because every one of my fantasy quarterbacks has been injured this year. So now I'm stuck on Will Levis. He was 18 of 28 for 185 yards. Um, and then, of course, Tennessee handed the ball to Derrick Henry uh, when they needed to. He ran it 18 times for 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and Chuba Hubbard led the rushing attack for the Panthers, 14 carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown. But you look at uh, this game, and again, um, it was just a calamity of a football game, to be quite honest. Very ugly. Uh, you know, neither team really efficient. Uh, it, you know, Tennessee won the football game uh, regardless of going 2 of 11 on third down. You know, I mean, I imagine that if anybody was watching this game on Sunday, they wanted to uh, maybe go uh, and uh, paint and watch paint dry versus watching this football game. Um, but, again, uh, just, a, you know, the, you look at the Panthers, they haven't won on the road this year. They're 0-6, they're 1-10, and, and uh, David Tepper had enough called Frank Reichen on Monday, fired him. Uh, and and if you're a football fan, you feel bad for Frank Reich because you know he didn't get to draft the quarterback that he wanted. And it just reiterates the point that in the NFL, you're only as good as your quarterback. And that's just the, mm-hmm. that is the, the reality of the truth. You can have a great defense – but if you don't have a quarterback that can go and score points and lead your team up and down the field, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. Yeah. And, and you know, everybody was talking about Bryce Young in the uh, before the draft and his size and his arm strength and, and everything like that. And I think, you know, I'm sitting there going, I mean, gosh, the guy was a starting quarterback at Alabama. He played, started for Nick Saban. You just don't do that if you're anybody. And, and I thought they were being a bit harsh on on Bryce Young and, and kind of evaluating him the way that they did. But now, as it turns out, I mean, I never thought he'd be the bust that he is at quarterback in the NFL. But, gosh, like you said, you're going to live and die by your quarterback. It doesn't matter what kind of offense you run. And it's not fair that Frank Wright got got fired. He should have at least had a, had a chance for a, a second season because, I mean, they fired their – him, I think they fired their offensive coordinator and their quarterback's coach. That's right. So what are they going to end up doing? I mean, they're just writing the season off and going to have try to get another number one draft pick 
you know, this next draft or whatever. Right. I mean, well, the, the, the sad part is, is they traded their number one draft pick for this coming season to the Chicago Bears. So they don't even yeah. have a number one draft. I mean, they won't even get the number one draft pick. Um, and so, yep, that's right. um, you know, they're – I don't know if I'm a coach, you know, that might be looking for a job, say like a Jimbo Fisher or, or something, you know, anybody that might be looking to, to to leave the college game behind and go to the NFL or vice versa or another uh, great coordinator like an Eric Bieniemy or somebody like that looking to, to, to take that leap and get that first NFL job. If this would be the job I would want. I mean, it, you know, they feel like a train wreck at the moment. You know, uh-huh. uh, and they've got a quarterback who, you know, uh, is, you know, for as much success as Bryce Young had at Alabama. And I'm not going to take anything away from that. I always felt like Bryce Young was too small to play quarterback uh-huh. in the NFL. He's 5'10, he weighs less than 200 pounds. Um, you know, you you've got to have some some toughness, and I'm not saying he's not tough. I think he proved that at the college level that he was a tough quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But it's different. This is a different game in the NFL. A different game. The pace is faster. The physicality is ten times tougher in my mind. That's why I love the NFL. That's why I love watching NFL football. And the reality is. You know, a year from now, two years from now, I might be eating these words, you know, and that's fine. If I am, great. Congratulations to Bryce Young. But, I mean, I just don't see it. I, I never saw it. Um, you know, you compare him to C.J. Stroud or you even compare him to Will Levis physically. He's just not the same-looking type of quarterback. And Frank Reich has historically – like big quarterbacks and so when your owner is drafting the quarterback i got a feeling frank reich you know might be sitting at home tonight you know he's got his money you know they they're gonna pay him what he i think they owe him like 20 million dollars um you know he's got to be feeling pretty good that hey okay i don't have to try to win with this team again because i didn't get to draft the quarterback that i wanted to draft yeah, you know that that has to be a good consolation feeling to know that that you're going to sit at home and you're going to you've got that twenty million dollars that they owed you, but you don't. And I never thought of it that way. But you don't have to work with that team anymore. You don't have to coach them. You don't have to worry about managing expectations. If you're Frank Reich, you don't have to worry about trying. What are you going to do to win with the bunch that they've got? Um, I think the owner of the Carolina Panthers and the GM need to step back and look and say, you know what, this season's a wash. We understand. What do, first of all, we need to identify who we want to hire as our next head coach and then figure out what do we want to be as a team. You know, what is our identity going to be? And let's figure out a way to get those players in. Yeah. Uh, I don't – I can't envision them luring a coach – that is going to be able to do that with David Tepper as the owner. I'm I'm sorry. He he's Jerry Jones on steroids at the moment, you know. Um why fire Frank Reich in year one when you were coming off a terrible season the year before, 
you bring him in, you as the owner step in, say this is the guy we're going to draft. So now you've given, you know, now you've taken that decision out of your GM's hands, out of the out of the coach's hands, and now, you know, it's like Bill Parcells used to say: if you want me to cook, you got to at least let me buy the groceries, right? And so, uh-huh. um, you know, and I and I think that that's still true today in today's NFL. Uh, if you're going to be a successful coach, you you you. That you as the owner have got to stay out of the business of trying to make a football team and let football people make football decisions. And I think this decision to fire Frank Reich was not a football decision. I think it was an emotional one. I read some reports today that talked about how um, uh, Tepper left the rock locker room. He was angry, dropping F-bombs, and, you know, just, you know, I think it's clearly an emotional decision. It's going to be a decision that that hurts that franchise. But as a Falcon fan, hey, all right, that's awesome. Give me two wins every year uh, for the next couple of seasons. I'll take two and zero at the start of every season. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I mean, what did Tepper think was going to happen? Honestly, why 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 go through that and fire Frank? Right? Uh, yeah, because I don't. You're not, going to, you're not improving any. You're not going to improve any at all. You're going to, you may not win another game this season. Guess what? Frank Wright was going to do that for you, but at least Frank Wright's got character and was instilling into those guys that were playing for him. And if nothing else, working on character, working on bonding as a team, working on playing team football with what he was given to do. Yeah, That's mean, like asking somebody to cook, grill a filet mignon, but providing them with ground sirloin, you can't. I mean, you yep. can't expect anything better than that. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just going to be a situation where um, they're just really going to, as a franchise, I think they're taking a, you know, a huge step backwards. But I believe, as some in the radio business would say, that's a them problem, right? Absolutely. That's a them problem, not a us problem. That's a not a us problem. That's right. All right, man. So let's look. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good luck in terms of, yeah. Okay. All right. So let's look at week. I think we're in week 13 of the NFL. That's right. So we've got some really good games coming up this week. Um, I know uh, we had. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention this at the start of the broadcast. I think the last time we did a pod was right after the Falcons lost to Arizona. And you you celebrated that loss to Arizona by blowing me off and taking your daughter her computer. So I got I got stuck with Billy, and uh, we went uh, real hard and fast for an hour. Uh, uh, and I really enjoyed that. Thanks again to Billy. But uh, we just kind of picked the whole schedule that week. But this week um, I, there's some real interesting games on the NFL slate this weekend. And so I want to start with Denver at Houston. And the reason why, man, because lo and behold, a few weeks ago, we were we were talking about how the Denver Broncos were dead, but eh, they're not. They've gotten to six and five. They've won four in a row. And all of a sudden, that sorry, stinking, good-for-nothing former Aints coach Sean Payton is figured out a recipe that's working for the Denver Broncos. And so, you know, this this game intrigues me because Houston is playing well as, as also. So 
um, you know, I, they are currently six and five. So both teams are six and five in the AFC. So Russell Wilson seems to be finding a rhythm under uh, with this Sean Payton offense. So uh, what what do you like in this matchup? I'm telling you, I was really impressed Sunday. I got I watched. We kept up back and forth with the Denver game. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleveland is my son's favorite NFL oh, team, okay. so he was okay. kind of he was kind of tore up that, that Denver was beaten. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the flip has switched in in Denver, and um, there I think you know <laughs> they're playing like a good game. I can't let you get away with that. I can't let. You just said the flip has switched. Yeah, the switch is flipped. <laughs> flip is fixed. I'm sorry, Josh. Whatever. It's been a long day. You know what I mean. I do, brother. I do. You know what I mean. I do, man. I do. It's, it's flipped, and you know Denver's playing pretty decent football. Yeah, I think they go into. I think they go into Houston and get a win. You know, um, as much as it hurts my heart to hear you say that because I I don't I can't pick I cannot pick the Broncos because Sean Payton is their coach I'm going to pick the Houston Texans because I think C.J. Stroud is probably the rookie of the year in the NFL right now if you were handing out that award I think he's gotten better and better with each week uh, and I think the, the, the Texans have found something with uh, D'Amico Ryans as their head coach. I think uh, they have a very bright future, and I think C.J. Stroud is only going to get better, and I'm, I'm going to take the Texans, all right? All right, so trying to get back to the schedule here So, because I didn't have time to kind of look at these and pick them. So if you've got a schedule in front of you and you, you see something you want to pick, uh, there is another game I'd like to pick, and um, – Oh, wait a minute. Am I in the right week? Yes, I am in the right First week. week yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Shoot, no. I'm not in the right week, dude. How did I do that? Here we're... Hold on. You're getting nothing but high-quality programming from two dudes and the Dirty Birds fans. There we go. Now I'm back in the right week. San Francisco goes to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles 425. I'm sure that will be the Fox Fox football game of the week. It's a 425 start. Both of these teams, Philadelphia, I believe, coming off a big win uh, over the weekend. Uh, San Francisco, uh, they had kind of hit a little lull there. Uh, midseason had lost in row, but they – Seem to have found uh, the elixir. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan uh, bringing them, bringing them back. And so, who you like in this one? Uh, the Eagles. Okay, I won't pick against the Eagles. They're playing <laughs> really good football. And you know what I like the best about the Eagles? It's not uh, Jalen Hurts. It's not you know Kelsey. Although I do love Jason Kelsey. I love the way he plays. That defense for Philadelphia is basically Georgia's defense from a couple of years ago. 
I love Philly's Philly's defense, and I love that offensive line. Yeah, they're just greedy and nasty. Yeah, they are. They are gritty and they are nasty for sure. And you know, I, I think the 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 trade uh, that the the 49ers made for Chase Young to bring him to put him on the other side of that D line opposite of of Bosa has made a big difference for them. Uh, since that trade, of course, you got Christian McCaffrey, and then Brock Purdy seems to be playing pretty well uh, after coming back from that midseason injury. Um, you know, uh, both of these teams growing up, uh, you know, I, if it if it wasn't Joe Montana ripping my heart out, uh, then it was Randall Cunningham ripping my heart out, or Ron Jaworski, or. Uh, as a Falcon fan. So, you know, I'm toiling about who to pick in this game as well. Um, And you know what? I think this time I'm also going to take the opposite of you, and I'm going to take the 49ers. Uh, There's just something about this 49er team. I think, you know, when they're hitting on all cylinders on offense, they're going to be tough to stop. And even a good defense like Philadelphia, I think, you know, they're going to have some – some potential matchups from those skill position players that are going to cause the Eagles defense some problems. So I'm going to take the 49ers and I'll probably lose that one. So you can uh, ridicule me all you want uh, on the next podcast. Okay. So um, I wasn't a bad pick. Okay. You can't go wrong with either one of those teams. <laughs> but really, another edge I picked the Philadelphia Eagles. It's games in Philly. Who knows what the weather's going to do? Who knows how the weather will be up there? Yep. I think weather may play a factor. Yep. All right, so here we go. Uh, The other side of the NFC South this week, Carolina at Tampa Bay. That's also a 405 start at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Um, You know, who, you know, I mean, I I, I would be hard-pressed to pick Carolina in this situation. Um, you know, I think they're going with Thomas Brown as the interim coach. Did I get that right? I can't remember. Um, yeah. But uh, so, you know, um, I can't pick Carolina there. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Yeah, I ain't no way I'm touching Carolina <laughs> at all. all and right. we may end up being both wrong. You know, I mean, we- we've already seen we've seen one interim head coach win a pretty high profile game yeah. last. This past Saturday, yep, that's in right. Michigan, Ohio State. <laughs> yes, but we I did. Just, I, I couldn't touch Carolina with a ten foot pole. Yeah, they're they're a train wreck. They're a disaster. Okay, so then you got Cleveland. We'll pick your son's favorite team. How about that? You got Cleveland yeah. and the Rams from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. That'll be a four twenty five kick as well. Um, you know, right now Cleveland coming off that tough loss. Uh, on Sunday uh, that your son had to endure. The Rams, they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team this year as well. Uh, I think I'm going to take the Browns. I like the Rams. I like Matthew Stafford. I like how they play. You're right, though. They are Jekyll and Hyde. Cleveland, I I don't fault Cleveland this past Sunday. You know, I think that was just one of those fluke games that Denver was riding the hot hand in, and it just carried over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm picking Cleveland as well. Okay. All right. So that's one, two, three, four, 
We usually try to pick six. You got two that you want to pick, or you want me to just keep going? Yeah, let's uh, let's look at the Chiefs and the Packers. They play Sunday night football. They play yep. at eight twenty from Lambeau Field. Yep, yep, yep. Um, always an interesting matchup. You got Patrick Mahomes versus that Packers defense. Uh, he and Kelsey are finally on the same page. It looks like offensively, and uh, but you're playing at Lambeau Field. And Lambeau is one of those places where anything can happen on any Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, whatever night they're playing football. Anything could happen. <clears throat> but with that being said, and, and this is a toss-up, going to be a close game, I think. But I, Patrick Mahomes is my fantasy quarterback, and so I am <laughs> going. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. Okay. Oh man. Some folks man, have all the luck, man, in that fantasy draft. So Kansas City, they're eight and three. Uh, they've got a two-game lead on the Broncos heading into this uh, week thirteen matchup. Uh, you know, uh, the the Packers they're sitting at five and six. Uh, you know, just kind of just hanging out. That uh, I believe that in a, that NFC North division. Uh, is a tight division at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's uh, Minnesota, Green Bay. Uh, you know, it's a you know it's a situation where uh, they're all chasing the Lions at this point, who are eight and three. They lost this past uh, Thanksgiving um, to uh, 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 who was it that they lost to on Sunday or th- Thanksgiving? You remember? Um, man, fans, we are so professional and prepared tonight. It's ridiculous. Let's see. The Packers. No, the, uh, the Lions. I was the Lions. Just yeah, the they Packers bought, beat the Lions. That's right. That's right. That's right. And they beat them handily, thirty-four. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Was it thirty? No, twenty-nine, twenty-two. So, you know that the the Lions are you know kind of. Still leading that division. The Packers coming off a nice win on Thanksgiving. Uh, they're hosting uh, Patrick Mahomes and the and the uh, Chiefs. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I like the Packers at home to win. Uh, Jordan Love seems to be playing better football, and maybe the Packers are starting to find a little bit of a rhythm. Um, and so I'm going to take the Pack. Good pick. Okay. I like it. I mean, that's, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, it will be. Because, you know, I think the Packers are one of the best five and six football teams in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and there are a lot of teams at five and six right now that are still in the hunt. Let's just – the last game to pick, and I know what how we're both picking and everything, but let's pick Detroit and New Orleans <laughs> just so we can pick against them one more time. Uh, well, Josh, let's talk about this game a little bit. And from a matchup perspective, I'm going to take the Lions. Uh, I, you know, I, in all honesty, I love Dan Campbell. I, he he just exudes football coach. From the moment he took the lectern to, at his introductory press conference talking about biting off kneecaps. And, I mean, he's just Mr. Football, you know, and I love – how that team plays, uh, they're physical, they they 
gang tackle. They run to the football. I think Jared Goff has had a great season as their quarterback. Uh, I kind of like the fact that Jared Goff is, you know, able to, you know, maybe thumb his nose a little bit at the Rams and the whole Matthew Stafford situation. I think he kind of got a raw deal there from Sean McVay. The Lions are leading the NFC North. I'm going to take the Lions, brother. How about you? Who are you picking? I mean, this is a really, really close toss-up pick. (laughs) But, and I'm – and even though the Saints are playing at home, I've just got to give the edge on this game <laughs> to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. Wow. I love Dan Campbell. If the Falcons were to get rid of Arthur Smith, <laughs> he's who I would want them to hire Absolutely. tomorrow. Absolutely. Just because he he reminds you of everything that a, gosh, even a Southern hard-nosed football coach <laughs> would be. Uh-huh. Talking about caps, just being scrappy. I mean, he is a player's coach, I think. Yeah, for and sure. Not to, mention, not to mention, Aiden Hutchinson's playing pretty good defense and Jared Goff to top it off. Yeah, Jared Goff had missed a beat from moving from the Rams over to Detroit. So you give me the lines by 90. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by 90, I like it. Um, you know, I agree with you. Um, D- Dan Campbell is one of those coaches that I think 10 years from now could possibly be one of those coaches with that identity that you, you so often see from these these lifetime NFL head coaches like an Andy Reid or a Bill Belichick. I mean, he's certainly not in that upper echelon now, but he just seems to – have a presence, a character that, you know, that has made a difference in the Lions franchise tremendously. And it just, I, I, I'm going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what, where he is 10 years from now as a head football coach in the NFL. All right, man. So kind of wrap up this week. Do you have any rants or anything that you want to just kind of, kind of end the show with i don't have any rants this week i thought you know on our side of things football finally looked really good sunday from start to finish for the falcons i do have this for you though okay with with christmas coming up and everything where is your favorite place to see christmas lights do you like the neighborhoods? Is there a neighborhood you like? Is there a, a Callaway Gardens or something like that that you've been to? But where where do you like to see Christmas lights? You know, man, that's a great question because I love, I mean, my wife has already got our place decorated, man, and it is awesome. Um, she does a great job. I'm bragging on my wife, y'all. Uh, but... I'll tell you, the best place I've seen lights has been the Atlanta Botanical Garden. If you've never been down there, uh, Falcon fans, take your family down there uh, because you get to walk around. Uh, they have some really cool, neat uh, exhibits for kids to kind of just, you know, touch and feel. And uh, it was great. And, um, and fun. Um, that's probably been the best 
outdoor light experience I've I've ever been to. I paid money for, and I was like, yeah, that was that was worth it. Um, you know, Cowboy Gardens also they do a great job there. We've done that a couple of different times, and you know, um, uh, it's nice to live in a neighborhood where folks decorate, uh, and our neighbor does it up awesome. So. You know, in my mind, if it's Christmas lights, I don't, it doesn't matter where you're going uh, to see them. They're Christmas lights, and it just kind of reminds you of the time of year you're in, uh, to be thankful for what you have, and sometimes that's hard for people to do. Uh, and it's a reminder of the, uh, of the blessings that uh, you have in your life. Uh, and it's also, you know, and I'm a Christian, so it's also a reminder of the you know the birth of my savior and so that's important to me too and and um you know christmas is just a great time of year and i love it and um so with christmas pro football college football you know they just uh, they did the uh the final four for college football tonight heading into the big conference championship weekend so it'll be you know there'll be plenty of football action plus you got one team left here in carroll county in the ghsa state playoffs and We'll both have the pleasure of being there on Friday night at Warren Peace Field, the White Hawk Stedler Stadium. You'll be calling for West Georgia Television. I'll be calling for Hometown Sports Media Streaming App Service. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And um, uh, it's going to be a tough football game on Friday night. Um, I haven't uh, had an opportunity to really prepare yet. I'm going to do some more of that tonight. And and uh, we'll see where we go, hopefully, uh, uh, Red Devils have one more win in them to get to to the Benz uh, uh, for the state championship. Yeah, I think it's going to be very tough. I think the rain that is supposed to come in this weekend and be around Friday, I think that's going to play into Bowden's favorite favor just a little bit because Sly County loves to throw the ball. Yep, yep. And it is extremely difficult to do that in the rain. Um, but it's going to be a tough game. Yep. It's going to be a very good game to see. Um, but I do hope and, and and wish that, you know, the Red Devils will make it to the bench for the state championship. We're going to – back to Christmas lights. Yes. <laughs> My wife said we were going to go. She wanted us to go to the Botanical Garden. So that is great to know that, that it's uh, worth the price of admission. Oh, yeah. We go to Callaway – every year yeah and ride the trolley yeah and just enjoy those light display and then we get out and walk through over around this year and last year i think they started where the little putt-putt golf course is uh-huh. it's all decorated up and it's like a little winter village you can walk through oh wow it's just a neat thing oh but yeah. i love i'm like you i love a christmas light i don't care where it is no i don't either man and, it just and everything so yeah cool good man. week for the uh, falcons for the dogs the bad and red devils. Yep. Yeah, man. Hey. What more could you be thankful for, right? Absolutely. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yep. All right, fans. Well, look, we appreciate you joining uh, two dudes and the Dirty Birds uh, on this Tuesday night, November 28, 2023. Uh, thanks for joining us. So be sure to kiss your wife and hug your children tonight before you go to bed uh, if you're married. Uh, or if you got to love the one you love, honey, love the one you're with, right? So for Josh Stitcher, I'm Patrick Edson. We'll see you next week on Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds.